Hi, this is FIT, podcast on how facial identification technology influences global legal order and shape national governance. You probably heard about Facebook paying millions of dollars in fines for violating privacy rights by using tax suggestions. And you most certainly have heard about CCTVs that are able to identify someone even when wearing a mask. Facial recognition pops up in the media reports about riots, China's social credit system and border control. Canada even went as far as to create technology for identification of biometric features of grizzly bears. It is everywhere, giving headaches to human rights activists of the regional level, yet never seeming to bother international fora. So how exactly does the law govern facial recognition when to be or not to be is no longer a question? In four episodes, we will discuss why states fail to restrict the use of this technology and how it led to the first application against Russia in the European Court of Human Rights. We will ask experts around the globe about the power politics behind the biometrics market and problems with the military potential of the technology. All this to see that facial recognition might be a little bit too fancied by power that be to be uprooted from our everyday life. If you take a political map of the world and try to pinpoint the major developers of facial recognition software, you will have quite a disturbing sight. Most of them either exist in a weak human rights protection system or neglect privacy for national security reasons. The most obvious example is China. It is facial recognition heaven. Cities like Taiyang and Beijing are among the most surveilled cities in the world, according to Comparitech. Of course, the country has data and privacy laws, but there are no binding regional human rights provisions against which people can contest them. A supervision mechanism simply isn't there. The closest thing to a human rights system we have in Asia is ASEAN. In 2009, it started making baby steps towards some human rights mindfulness. The Human Rights Declaration was signed and the Intergovernmental Commission on Human Rights came into being. Sounds good, right? But take a closer look and you will see that all these efforts do not make so much of a difference. For starters, China is a part of ASEAN Plus 3 cooperation, not a full member. It did not sign ASEAN Human Rights Declaration, which, by the way, has no binding nature or enforcement body. With nothing but political pledges and knowledge of its impunity, China is a fertile breeding ground for privacy abuses. Facial recognition is a tool used directly to control Uyghur minority in the country, and this alone already deserves international condemnation. But let's look also on the other side of it, and let me play a devil's advocate here a bit. A tool is only a tool. It is not about a technology able to identify you in the crowd or a piece of metal that can cut things. It is about the purposes of its use. A knife can be a weapon or a household item. CCTVs with facial recognition software can be a nightmare-like control machine or crime prevention device. It is undoubtedly an effective law enforcement practice. And I don't mean a knife here. A high number of CCTVs actually helps to solve crimes. There is a chance that you haven't been robbed or kidnapped today exactly because there are so many cameras around you. To go even further, things like payments in the shop by simply looking on a screen when you forget your wallet also can come in handy. To look at the economic dimension, every country searches for some unique product that can be successfully exported and create additional revenue. For China, this is technology. 
including facial recognition software. The country betted on it and now sell it to neighbors like Mongolia and Australia, which are, by the way, quite willing to buy. Not justifying human rights violation here. What I'm trying to say is that China took the use of facial recognition to the extreme limits in every way. It is an effective policy method and technological development, as well as a tool for suppression and a red alert level privacy concern. Across the Pacific lies China's competitor in a very interesting case study, the US. Perhaps surprisingly to some, we have the same problem with the toothless regional human rights system here. Organization of American states still struggles to fully pull the US into its gravity field and properly address privacy violations. But even from within, the US is torn apart between the rising popularity of Clearview AI, a scandalous private biometric recognition company, and legislative initiatives and civil society movements in uh, several US cities promoting a ban on facial recognition. And still in 2020, the US started adapting facial recognition technology for military use. But we will talk about this in detail in the fourth episode, so let's just leave it here. With the new administration in the White House, there are new hopes to finally take a stand against facial recognition and uh, quite a significant group of NGOs already urged Biden to do that. Will anything actually follow? Well, there is already an article out there by the New York Post about the use of the technology by the new administration. There are hopes still that with one decision the whole practice might be finally put to an end. We asked Jennifer Brody, US advocacy manager of Access Now, about the perspective of this civil society cry out. So, Jennifer, are there any chances that Congress will change direction in privacy and digital policies towards human rights compliance? There is a lot of momentum on Capitol Hill in this space, fortunately. Lawmakers are aware that hundreds of state, local, and federal agencies are using unregulated facial recognition technology, and research shows that about half of U.S. adults are in facial recognition databases. What's more, an analysis of facial recognition tools by the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology found that Black, Brown, and Asian individuals were up to 100 times more likely to be misidentified than white male faces. So all to say, yes, awareness and a desire to address the problem is growing. And to point to some examples, the Facial Recognition and Biometric Technology Moratorium Act was reintroduced in the U.S. Congress in June of this year, which was great. And in addition, Senator Wyden introduced the Fourth Amendment is not for sale act, which would ban U.S. government and law enforcement agencies from buying location data and other personal data without a warrant, which would effectively ban police use of Clearview AI. Do you think there might be prospects of actually banning facial recognition in the U.S.? Banning facial recognition technology at the national level in the United States certainly won't be easy, which is all the more reason for civil society to direct our advocacy energies towards banning the tech. At Access Now, we launched a campaign along with a number of partners like Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and European Digital Rights that calls for a global ban on biometric recognition technologies that enable mass and discriminatory surveillance. Also, with our partners at All Out and Reclaim Your Face, we launched a campaign to ban automated recognition of gender and sexual orientation, characteristics that some companies believe they can ascertain via facial recognition tech. I also wanted to, to mention within this scope, um, despite the fact that banning facial recognition tech may be challenging, 
The U.S. has a lot of bans of the technology at local levels, such as in the city of Portland, Oregon, which banned facial recognition tech use by both public and private entities, including in places of public accommodation, such as restaurants. Also, a different Portland, Portland, Maine, banned both the city and its departments and officials from using or authorizing the use of any facial recognition software on any groups or members of the public. So those were two big wins. Um, And in addition, there's even more cities. Minneapolis, Boston, and other localities have banned police departments from using facial recognition software as well. So we can't lose sight of the fact that at the local level, there has been a lot, a lot, a lot of movement and progress. And just because you mentioned Clearview AI, I wanted to call out that the company has been sued in multiple states in the U.S. for its actions, including in Illinois, Virginia, New York, and Vermont. So yes, Clearview AI has caused a lot of harm. However, it's not like the company hasn't confronted any any pushback from advocates. Is there any visible tendency in the facial recognition ban movement in the U.S. right now? Is it on the rise or vice versa declines? Yeah, I definitely think more and more people living in the United States are becoming aware of the harms of facial recognition technology. So fortunately, awareness is growing quite rapidly. Not sure if you're familiar, but uh, the documentary Coded Bias made a huge splash and helped expose the disparate impact the technology has on communities of color in the United States, especially since it's available on Netflix. So it's widely accessible and I think in a lot of circles has really become part of the, the national conscious. In addition, recent headline news that a black girl was kicked out of a roller skating rink because she was misidentified has also added a lot of fuel to the movement uh, to ban this this facial recognition tech. It was a really horrible, egregious example of this technology gone wrong. In addition, a partner organization of Access Now, Fight for the Future, has launched a lot of excellent U.S.-based campaigns to combat facial recognition technology, like the Ban Facial Recognition in Stores campaign, of which Access Now signed on. As a result of this campaign, quite a few companies, like Starbucks even, have committed to not use facial recognition in their stores, which was a super, super exciting one. I also wanted to call out that the ACLU of Massachusetts has done a really impressive job working to combat the tech in the state of Massachusetts. So I already mentioned uh, bans in Boston. There are also similar bans in the cities of Cambridge and Somerville, both in Massachusetts as well. In fact, so much momentum was generated in the state that the Boston Celtics, a well-known basketball team in the U.S., wrote an op-ed in a prominent Boston paper that called on the governor of Massachusetts to end facial recognition surveillance. Now, the ban movements that Jennifer and I mentioned is not just the U.S. phenomenon. The same standoff in Europe seems to cause waves strong enough to bring up discussions on the EU institutional level over and over again. Last year, the European Commission issued a white paper on AI, putting facial recognition on agenda and basically saying, we will keep it in mind, we will handle it. In 2021, it went even further, putting forward a proposal on harmonized rules on AI with an extensive biometric regulation agenda. That seems to be a result of active lobbying with NGOs like EDRI, Big Brother Watch and campaigns like Reclaim Your Face calling for strict regulation of biometric technologies. The EU, however, cannot go straight to prohibiting the use of facial recognition under the pressure of activist groups. There are member states like France and Germany who just love facial recognition. French Code of Criminal Procedure has an explicit provisions on it. 
Private companies in Germany and France, Spain and Switzerland work hard to create the best product for governmental needs to keep their public contracts. There are strong contravening interests, national security in money versus human rights. It is not the first time the European Commission has taken a step to deal with the issue. To find this balance between the already mentioned interests back in 2016, the GDPR was introduced. The regulation coupled with an AI-responsible policy approach was supposed to create a space where member states have limits in methods of policing and people have reassurance in data safety. Has anything changed? Well, facial recognition definitely did not go away. In the past two years, Sweden and uh, France had cases against the use of technology in public schools. In the meantime, in 2020, the European Commission started sponsoring one of the companies developing facial recognition technology, Herta Security. Bearing that in mind, one can say that there is no interest in controlling facial recognition in the EU, because the supply and demand chain exists, and the EU institution will never lean towards any of the sides in this fight. It is way easier to support the status quo and maintain a semblance of pro-human rights activity instead. Such semblance is also a strong suit of the EU eastern neighbor, Russia. Instead of developing more comprehensive legislation on data privacy, it deliberately keeps the already existing one as it is. A provision in the law on personal data about biometrics is really short, just two paragraphs. The general rule about consent and exceptions to it. This is considered to be more than enough to say that Russia actually cares for the protection of biometrics and justify any abuse of right with the national security or crime prevention excuses. In 2020, when pandemic kicked in, these excuses became the basis for endemic surveillance of people on quarantine. Facial recognition software was activated or installed in almost every CCTV in multiple cities across Russia, and an app was released in Moscow with the same identification software at play. All this was done in less than a few months, the aftermath of false positive was sorted out through a fast-track appeal procedure on the governmental website. It is not like this system didn't exist before in Russia, but it experienced a significant descent in the last two years. In January 2021, common for both the EU and Russia Council of Europe finally addressed the potential infringements of the right of data subjects stemming from the use of technology. The Consultative Committee on the Convention for the Protection of Individuals with Regard to Automatic Processing of Personal Data issued the guidelines on facial recognition. But the document is just the guidelines. Once again, nothing binding. Instead, there are high hopes in the application to the European Court of Human Rights on the use of facial recognition by Russian authorities. However, an application to the European Court is always a Schrodinger's cat. You never know if it will pass all the stages and result in the desired decision or if it's going to be declared simply inadmissible. Across the world, facial recognition has already taken quite a stable place in the market and in law enforcement. There's lots of lobbying, financing and development plans behind it. At the same time, those concerned about the rising number of human rights violations advocate for its full prohibition. Different human rights systems across the globe offer their protection at various levels. 
There is, of course, an overarching protection of the United Nations human rights system and the UDHR, but also a huge imbalance in how different countries conform with principles behind it. And although the existence and use of facial recognition do not necessarily create a problem as it is, there are consequences of this imbalance showing that the technology isn't ready to be unleashed in its full just yet. This was FIT. In the next episode, we will talk about the EU dilemma with facial recognition and challenge its careful approach to biometric data regulations. Thank you for listening and make sure to subscribe to hear more episodes. Mm-hmm.